Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. Another edition of the Fit Down Sports Show, your extra down of sports coverage, right here on the Radio AFS Network, broadcasting via Blog Talk Radio, um, simulcasted on the Arena Sports Network. However, you may be listening to us. We thank you for being along for the ride this evening. Um, so we got a big show this week. Uh, a lot to go through and a lot to do. Uh, early on, we got a special program coming up um, in our second hour of the show. We're going to try to get through the sports stuff early, and then we'll uh, then we'll kick into some real life situations. But um, you know, we'll deal with that when it comes. But um, a- as you know, I'm your host Chris Dietz, and you can find us. Uh, you can find the Fit Dom Sports Show online. Uh, Fit Dom Sports Show. On Facebook, it's pretty simple. Just type it in, look us up. Uh, all our stuff is there. You can find past shows. You can find, uh, you know, any any kind of content that we put up there. Um, so that's how you get that's how you get through to us. If if you are listening to the program and you want to get your voice heard, throw your uh, Throw your comments on the uh, on the Facebook page or uh, message me directly. I I don't really care. You can you can post on my Facebook wall. I don't really care. Um, you know, 
we'll we'll get we'll get your we'll get your view out there and we'll talk about you. Um we'll we'll talk about sports with you. So any of those ways to get in touch with the show, you can also call the show. Um if you want to talk if you want to talk sports, call the show 646-668-8467 is the number to call. Um and we're you're welcome to come and talk about any of the topics of the day. Um Obviously, we've got a lot going on. We're, we're going to get to the football. We're going to discuss the championship games in uh, in length tonight. But um, because we're going to do that, I want to start with another big thing in sports this week that happened, and it, it just happened yesterday. So it's uh, it's not really breaking news. Most people already know it, but in case you're just listening and just getting in for the first time. The first ever unanimous baseball Hall of Famer was cast, uh, was voted into the Hall of Fame uh, just yesterday, and that was Mariano Rivera. And why I'm leading the show off with this is there have been there have been there have been some interesting takes on on this. First off, Mariano Rivera, I, I have I have no problem with him being. The, a unanimous choice. He should have been in a unanimous choice, but the fact that he's the first is ridiculous. I mean, he shouldn't have been the first. There should have been many, many, many more. And this is going to be a theme of the show, I think, today, especially for what we're talking about. Just because it's been done in the past, just because that's the way, it sh- that's the way it's always been done, does not mean you have to keep doing it. Just because Babe Ruth didn't get unanimously voted in because some idiot thought he was not a Hall of Famer. Just because someone made a dumb mistake and didn't vote Mickey Mantle a Hall of Famer. Just because somebody didn't vote Ted Williams unanimously into the Hall of Fame does not mean you hold it against everybody else. How Ken Griffey Jr. was not, for just to make it a a, a relevant, uh, you know, a recent... uh, recipient of the Hall of Fame, how he was not a, a, a unanimous Hall of Famer, how Tony Gwynn was not a unanimous Hall of Famer. Like when you watch these guys, you knew Hall of Famer. You knew it. Everybody knew it. I don't see how anybody could have voted against them. We've talked about in the last couple of weeks, We just to review people that, have, that may, maybe are just tuning in for the first time or maybe you haven't listened in a while. We have been on this rant on the media for the last, well, basically since we started the show. But for the last three weeks, we have been killing the Associated Press, killing them, because they voted wrong in multiple, multiple areas. Rookie of the year in football, um, which hasn't come out yet, but I'm sure they will do that, We've t- but we talked about it on the show. Um, Coach of the year in college football, uh, Heisman Trophy, uh, the uh, – the the final AP poll we talked about last week. The uh, the the media has gotten this so wrong, and to hear people talking today and saying one guy said the most uh, it wasn't the most ridiculous thing said this week because I'm going to get to that in a minute. I'm going to get to that when we talk football. But the most ridiculous thing I heard today from the media was well. You know, I'm ashamed that the first unanimous Hall of Famer is a relief pitcher because I don't think relief pitchers should have gotten in anyway. 
That has nothing to do with the fact that Mariano Rivera was a Hall of Fame pitcher. I don't care that he was a relief pitcher. I don't care that he didn't start games. I don't care that he closed games. I don't care at what point he pitched in a ball game. Because when Mariano Rivera came in, there was a 10-year stretch where he was the best pitcher in baseball. Bar none. Whether he started or whether he was coming out of the bullpen, he was the most feared pitcher in baseball. Nobody wanted to face him. Okay? That's why he is a, 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 a legit Hall That's why he is a Hall of Famer. The minute he retired, he was in the Hall of Fame. And I'm glad it was unanimous because we don't have to argue about, you know, why did they vote for this person? Why didn't they vote for this person? We could go down the list, though, of the Hall of Fame voters. My problem with the Hall of Fame, and I've said this all the time, if, if they made these votes public, people would get hurt. People would get hurt because how they don't vote for people – because. Seeing who they vote for and who they don't vote for is the most infuriating concept in all of sports. Okay? I don't care about uh about about personal 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 things aside. If you go on the field and look at guys, there are guys that you can say, How is this guy not a Hall of Famer? And one of those guys got left out, and how Kurt Schilling is not a Hall of Famer, I, I need that explained to me, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get some people, some people who are more baseball-oriented to come on and, um, you know, either agree or disagree with my, uh, you know, with my take on this, but how Kurt Schilling is not a Hall of Famer, I don't understand. I do not get it. You cannot explain to me how he's how Mike Messina is a Hall of Famer, but Kurt Schilling isn't. If Mike Messina is a Hall of Famer, then Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer. Because I was just talking to somebody before this, before I got on air here, and if there's anybody out there listening um, that that knows of this, we're trying to we're trying to discuss it. I thought Mike Messina won a championship. He might not have. Uh, that's one of the things we need to figure out and, and get into. Um, and by the way, I've got a caller on the line, so I see you, caller. I will get to you in a second. Um, but uh, uh, I, I, what we're trying to figure out. So if if you know if Mike Messina, let me know if Mike Messina won a championship. Just send us a send us a little uh, send us a message at Fit Down Sports Show because whether he did or not, it, it, it doesn't matter to the point I'm making. If he even if he won, he I, I'm pretty sure he, I, I I I think he only won one. But whatever he did, he did it with the Yankees. He did it by joining the Yankees, and he was like the fifth. He was like the fourth starter on the team. Kurt Schilling was the number one starter for the Phillies, the Diamondbacks, and the Red Sox, and he won the World Series with all three of them. Bang! Hall of Famer. I don't see how you can keep him out of the Hall of Fame. It doesn't make sense. All right, we got a caller on the line, so let's uh, let's take the call and see what's going on here. All right, hey, how you doing? Fit Down Sports Show. Well, votes are public, you fucking moron. 
Okay. Um, no, the baseball votes are not public. They they vote they 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 say they say the percentages. They say the percentages of of what the votes are, but they don't tell you the individuals of who voted for who voted against. Who who was the one vote against Ken Griffey Jr.? They don't tell you that. That's what I'm saying. If you if you had your ballot out and you and you produced your ballot, you you don't have to reveal that to the public. It's not it's not a it's not a public it's not a public thing. It's not like oh uh, Richard Justice who is a who's a voter. And a respected baseball columnist. It doesn't say Richard Justice voted for. That only gets released if Richard Justice wants it released. If people were voting, if people's votes were uh, were, were being fed to the public, there's no way Ken Griffey Jr. would not be on that list. There's no way he would be unanimous because nobody wants nobody wants to be that guy that's singled out in public that says. That's the guy that didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. Because that guy would get a million questions of, why didn't you vote for him? Why didn't you vote for him? And then you wouldn't have this discussion of, well, I, I took the bullet this time because Willie Mays wasn't uh, uh, unanimously voted in. So you're, you're right in that the percentages are made public, but the, the actual ballots are not public information. You will, not, you will never know who voted for who. You won't, you won't know who didn't vote for Kurt Schilling unless they tell you, I didn't vote for him. Or they could say, they could say I voted for him, but the other guys didn't. That's how it's been for the entirety of baseball. Because if it was, and the, the other side of this is, if it was, it's like I said, they, that person would get attacked. Attacked by people like me coming after them and, and asking them why? Why do you feel this way? And, and, and that's okay. it's okay for you to tell me. It's okay for you to say, yeah, I didn't think Ken Griffey Jr. was a Hall of Famer. Why? Because his, the way his career ended with the Reds, I just didn't think he was, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. I can, I can live with your argument, but you need to give it. You need to tell me what it is, and then I can try to rationalize why you felt the way you did. But – um. Oh, we thank we thank you for the call and thank you for listening. I I really don't care if you you know if you have a disagreement with me, that's fine. Like you can go right ahead. Just um, you know, I'm 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 more than I'm more than happy for you to call up and have a disagreement with me. That that's never never a problem on this show. It's never been a problem. It never will be because I, I I can I can take it just as much as I can give it. But you gotta. You you got to keep it you got to keep it respectful. We're not uh, can't fly off the handle like that with the f bombs. But um, you know if, if you if you come if you come with if you come with a, a statement against me, that's fine. I, I don't really care. All right. So that's my statement on, on on the Hall of Fame. All right, we got another call. I think this is the same guy. So let's see. Fit Down Sports Show. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? Just a quick uh, comment. I think the baseball writers did vote to make individual ballots public in 2018. Nucina did not win a championship, and Schilling, I think, ended up with two rings and should be in the Hall of Fame. Thanks. 
Yeah, he. Uh, oh, thank thank you for your call. I'm I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you corrected that. Um, and, and like I said, that that's exactly what we want. But um, and that that could be the case, and maybe that's why. May, you know, I, I'll have to I'll have to look into that. You give me a great a great thing for you know a great homework assignment for me is to look at if if the ballots are made official. And, and maybe that's the reason why Mariano was given the uh, unanimous, uh, you know, given uh, the first unanimous voting. If that's how it is, if they just voted that last year, I could now see because, again, it goes back to my Karen Griffey Jr. theory. Nobody wants to be that guy who, well, he didn't get unanimous because so and so voted against Mariano. Like, Who's going to vote against Mariano Rivera? There's no way to justify that. Um, and even though I'm not a Yankee fan, I am I am from Connecticut. I do follow the Yankees because we're in Connecticut. I'm a Mets fan, so I do follow the Yankees because they are the other New York team. So, I mean, I've seen Mariano Rivera multiple times. I've read his book multiple times. I met him. I got his autograph. Um you know, he's an amazing guy, and there's no reason why he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. But again, the voting process, and I hope, I, I hope our caller is right. I hope that they are. I hope that they are um, made public. I'm, I would gladly, um, you know, I would love to see a who's voting and b, you know, how they voted again. I, I I question why how you could put Musina in over Schilling. I, I would just like to hear some kind of some kind of reference to that. Like, what makes that decision? How did you come to the fact that Mike Musina is better than Kurt Schilling? I more deserving. I I, I don't get it. I don't see how that happens. Um, but. Um, so that's the inter- that's the topic that we're going to start with, and we're going to move on to the championship games in the National Football League. The Super Bowl is set. We had uh, we'll start we'll just go in chronological order here. We'll start with the NFC Championship game, um, and I'm I'm not really sure how we're going to do this. I, I think we'll just do everything NFC Championship game. We'll get everything out of the way. And then we'll move on – before we move on to the AFC – then we'll do the AFC Championship game, and then we'll do our, our special broadcast at the end. So that's kind of the kind of the way – that's kind of the timeline for the show right now. So we'll start with the NFC Championship game where the Rams defeated the New Orleans Saints in overtime. And really this game was a tale of pretty much – it was a tale of four quarters, pretty much, and they were all different quarters. I mean, the Saints came out of the game like gangbusters. The problem is they couldn't score when it mattered. They couldn't. They they were moving the ball up and down the field in the first quarter, getting the ball right up to the twenty yard line, getting turnovers in Rams territory, turning them into field goals. And I said this at the time watching the game. Field goals aren't going to beat the Rams. You got to put the ball in the end zone. 
And so, um, all right. So, but so that was the first quarter. Then in the second quarter, the Rams started to get it together. They, uh, I think the Rams had something like 16 total yards in the first quarter. New Orleans was just suffocating them, making them do different things, holding on to the ball, driving these long drives, and then, but they weren't cashing in completely. Then the flip, the script completely flipped in the second quarter. The the Saints had a total of 14 yards. The Saints were getting bottled up by that defense. Um, and Dominican Sue was getting sacks on, on Drew Brees. So it was an interesting, uh, you know, flip around. Saints were able to score right before the half. Uh, that was a big score before the half. Um, when they moved the ball, uh, you know, the Saints scored their touchdown. Then they moved the ball right before the half. They got the ball with 26 seconds left, went right down the field, got a field goal to pull within three at halftime. Teams played an even third quarter and a pretty even-sided fourth quarter. The Ram- I thought the Rams dominated pretty much most of that fourth quarter. They looked like the better team. They looked like the sharper team. Then we get to then we get to the situation where all hell broke loose, and I couldn't figure out why. And we'll get into all of that. So we'll get into that at the end. But the the Saints, Drew Brees hits Ted Ginn with a 63-yard bomb. Saints are in position at the 20-yard line, looking like they're going to go in, score. Looking like they're going to they're going to score, win the game. There's there's they get to the two-minute warning. Saints have the ball. All they have to do is score. Don't turn the ball over, and you can win this ball game. First and ten at inside the twenty-yard line. Drew Brees pass on first down, incomplete. Run the ball on second down. Rams call a timeout. Third down. Saints think they have the perfect play called. They got the little wheel route out of the backfield. Running back Alvin Kamara is running the wheel route, and boom! He gets nailed by the safety. Bang, bang, play. Sean Payton's running around yelling, yelling for a flag. Ref didn't throw one. Rams are forced, uh, Saints are forced to kick a field goal. They kick off to the Rams. Rams go down the field. Boom, 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 boom. They get a, I mean, just think about, I mean, Zerline hits a, I think he hit a 58-yard field goal. It was, it was a 58-yard field goal to send the game to overtime. Um. I just want to make sure I got my scores right. I'm pretty sure it was one of the kicks was 58 yards. It was either the the winner or the or the tie one. Either way, the Rams go down. Boom, boom, boom. Hit hit a field goal. Send the game to overtime. In overtime, Saints get the ball first. 
Drew Brees, back to pass, gets hit as he's throwing. Ball flutters in the air. We get an interception. We get an interception. Hold on, I'm just... I didn't even put it on here. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. So, Saints get an interception. Uh, the Rams get an interception. They go down, kick the game-winning field goal. Booyah, game over. Saint, the Rams win. Now, let's deal with the controversy of this game. First of all, for everybody that's arguing for that was pass interference, that was pass interference, I'll say it. When I first saw it, I thought it was pass interference too. Off the rip, I thought it was pass interference. Off the rip, I thought it was about four different – there were about four different penalties that I, that I saw right off the rip. Then when you slow it down, you see them even more. First – the first penalty I'll take is pass interference because it's the only one that I can say that you can that you can that you can clear away. And then we'll get into the other controversies of this game. But let's start with the first one. Let's start with the first one, which is pass interference. All right. There are many things that it has to be to be pass interference. To be pass interference, it has to be outside of the contact area. It has to be um, – the ball has to be catchable, and it ha- and the ball has to be thrown. It has to be while the ball's in the air, and the ball has to be catchable. The reason why I say this is disputable is because if that official didn't think the ball was catchable, whether it is or not, if that ref felt that ball's uncatchable, I'm I'm gonna hold my I'm gonna hold off on PI. That that's explain you can explain that away. You can disagree with it, but it's explainable. How it's not illegal con how that was not illegal contact. That's what I thought it was. I thought immediately they were gonna throw it for illegal contact. Guy gets there way too early. He hits him way before um, way before uh, the ball's even close to being being an attempt to catch. That's illegal contact. That's a five-yard automatic first down. So either way, you're talking automatic first down, the ball game's over, okay? That was the penalty I thought it was, I thought they were going to go with. Second penalty you could have gone with is defenseless receiver. We've, we've seen this. Many a times I've railed against it, so I'm not I'm not unhappy that they didn't call it. But I mean, we've seen worse. We've seen worse hits. We've seen we've seen lesser hits get flagged because the guy's defenseless and his arms are stretched out. We've seen that. That didn't happen here. Could have been targeting. We are college. We are a college football show. We watch college football. We know. We've seen it. We saw it all bowl season. Helmet to helmet contact. People were get guys were getting thrown out of bowl games left and right for helmet to helmet contact. Watch that play. Helmet to helmet is he directly hits him in the face with his helmet. How that how that's not called? I mean, in a league where they're saying, "All right, 
we're looking at safety and we're looking at these hits, how that was not called, I have no idea. I have no idea. So those are the four penalties that it should have been. Somehow, the Rams got away with nothing. But for all you people out there, and, and this has been the talk of the last four days, which which is getting exhausting, to be honest with you. It's getting exhausting to, to hear people, um, you know, oh, the Saints got robbed because it was pass interference. We need to look at pass interference. Pass interference should be called. I'd hate to tell. I I I I'd love I'd love that the the media is bringing these topics up because nobody is discussing this. I haven't heard this take anywhere. Everybody's talking about, oh, should they review pass interference? There was no flag on that play. You cannot call. You cannot call for a review on a play that was not called. Like, you can't go back and say, hey, call a penalty on that play. What penalty What penalty is, is that only going to be pass interference? Are we going to look – are we going to go back and look at the offensive line? Because the, there, are, there are NFL analysts out there, and one of them is Mark Schlereth. He's a great analyst for Fox Sports. Um, he, he is on record. There's holding on every play. Every play, there's a hold. And he's probably, he's exaggerating a little bit, but he's not wrong. If you go back, if you were to go back and look at, at slow things down and look at Tate, offensive linemen are holding on every play. Defensive linemen are holding offensive linemen on every play. So if you want to go back and look at penalties, why just pass interference? I mean... That's the first thing. I don't understand why, and there, no one's going to entertain this theory. Like you, we don't need to review penalties in real time. Okay, we need to just deal with it. It is what it is. Pass interference is a judgment call. You cannot review a judgment because, like I said, if if somebody were to review that penalty, they would have to talk to the official on the side. You know. The officials, when they go on the headset, they're not just on the headset, like, listening to the game. They're on the headset talking to each other. The guy in the booth or the guy in New York who's watching the game is talking to the official. And what, the, and what, what he's going to say is, hey, what happened? Why wasn't there a call? I didn't think it was catchable. You can't argue with that. You cannot argue, you cannot come back and say, yeah, I think it was, well, guess what? I think it was, so I'm going to overrule you. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to go, okay, you didn't think it was catchable. Game, uh, you know, that's the end of the argument. You cannot argue with someone's judgment. It's, it's what somebody, judge, it's their judgment. It's what they saw on the play. So this whole discussion of, P.I. of pass interference and all this garbage, it's all for nothing. And it's all for nothing for one reason. And for one major reason is because Sean Payton is the one who brought this on himself. He said it at the press conference. Everybody ran with it. 
I have not heard one person ask Sean Payton. I've heard them ask a bunch of questions about pass interference. How about asking them, do you know how the clock works? Do you know that if you ran the ball on first down, I'm not even worried about that third down play that the pass interference happened on. How about running the ball on first down and making the Rams use their timeouts? Because the Rams got the ball back with like 140 on the clock. They would have had the ball. If you ran the ball on first down, Rams would have called timeout. Run the ball on second down, Rams would have called timeout. You run the ball on third down, even if you don't get the first down, even if you only, even if you went back a yard, okay? Worst case scenario, your guy gets stopped. You're kicking the field goal anyway. Guess what? 25 seconds off the clock. Now they've got a minute. Now they've got a minute 20. Instead of a minute 40. They've got a minute 20 and no timeouts. They had a minute 40 and two timeouts. They had a minute 40 and a timeout left. They had, a, they had all the time in the world to go down the field. I mean, you would have taken away so much of their offense just by running the ball there. They wouldn't have been able to throw the ball over the middle. They wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the different things that they did on that final drive. Because they wouldn't have had a timeout. They wouldn't have had time to do it. So, why has nobody asked Sean Payton this question? I mean, I want to know. Do you, did you know the clock? Did, why did you throw a pass on first down? I mean, it's not like they took a shot at the end zone either. They threw a little three-yard slant. Like, why not just hand the ball off to Alvin Kamara? He can get you three yards. So, if Sean Payton wants to, if Sean Payton can, can, and the Saints fans, they can sit there and they can talk about, they can talk about pass interference, it's pass interference, it's pass interference. They talk about that call all they want. The truth is, you didn't run the ball when you had to, and if you had run the ball, if you had run the ball there, your chances to win the game would have gone way up. So, that's the NFC Championship game. The Rams win. Rams win. They're going to the Super Bowl. All right. Now, let's go to... Let's go to the AFC Championship game. The AFC Championship game was really... I I, I, I don't know how anybody else felt about this. I know watching it, it was just a bore. The first three quarters were god-awful. It was just god-awful football. I mean, I, from a Patriots standpoint, they were, they were playing great. They were playing great, and they were playing the way they wanted to. They were keeping the ball. They were running it. They were, it, it seemed like the first half flew by. Like, all of a sudden, we were at halftime, and it was 14. All of a sudden, it was and it, and it was 14 nothing. The Pats were dominating the game, but it was only 14 nothing. I kept saying, I was watching the game with my buddy Justin, and I kept saying to him, man, for the, the, the and it, you know, we, we were going back and forth. We had a couple guys at the bar with us that were uh, like, oh, man, the Patriots are just 
Patriots are just going to dominate this game. I said, I kept telling them, I said, dude, for all this domination, they're only up 14 points. It's it's not like they're, it's not like they're running away with this game. So then we get to the fourth quarter, and Patriots and the Chiefs they put on a show for the ages. That fourth quarter was amazing, and um, I mean, how many how many play? The best play of the entire game was that Sammy Watkins play where he ran the wheel. We were in the wheel route and was wide open. I think it was to put them up. It was to get them up, I think, 31, 31, uh, 31, 20, 28 at the, at the time. Um, at, at the time, it was, it was the pass that gave them the lead before the Pats went down and, uh, Scored scored to tie, to tie the game up, but that was the best play of of the entire game, I thought. Um, and then you had the Julian Edelman play with the 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 punt that took like a million bounces and somehow did not somehow it didn't hit him. Uh, again, that's a play. People, it was called on the field as though it hit him. They reviewed it, and there were guys saying it looks like it hits them. There were guys saying it looks like it doesn't. You could have gone either way with that call. Replay did not help that call. It just made that call more ridiculous because everybody there were, everybody on both sides could, had an argument and could have made it. So, um, so there was that play. Of course, we spent like ten minutes on that on that review. Um, just to find out Patriots keep the ball. Then Brady throws the interception. Um, so many things just happened in that fourth quarter. And then, of course, you knew what, when the Chiefs scored and they took the lead uh, right before the right, – right at the end of the game, the Chiefs take the lead. You knew when they were giving the ball back to Brady. You just knew something, something was coming down the pipe for Brady. And he had something in his back pocket that was gonna um he had something in his back pocket, something left, and anybody who is doubting what Brady can do, Brady showed you what Brady is, and he marched down the field, got the game tied up, we added to overtime, and now we get to the fun discussion of. Patriots get the ball, they win the toss, get the ball, boom, 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 game over. All right. Now, Patriots win, Rams, Patriots in the Super Bowl. Now let's talk about the controversy of 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 the of the Chiefs Patriots game. A lot of the news, a lot of the talk has been about overtime in the NFL. We have spent a lot of time on this. We talked about overtime, how the overtime in the NFL is the worst overtime in the history of sports. Okay? It used to be sudden death. That's it. We talked about this when the Browns tied. We talked about it when the Green Bay Packers tied the Vikings. Overtime in the NFL is just terrible. 
It's even terrible. It's terrible in the regular season. But I get it in the regular season. I get it. If a team scores a touchdown, game's over. You know, we don't want to play forever. However, when the playoffs are involved, the other team should get the ball. I am on that I am on that point. However you want to do it. If you want to eliminate the kickoff and just say each team gets the ball, they start on the 20-yard line. That, that you know, we don't do kickoffs after in overtime. You know, you just get the ball. Okay. That's fine. That's fine with me. You know, I love kickoffs as much as the next guy, but you know, I'm okay with that. But just give the other team the Patriots score there, give the Chiefs the ball. And if they don't go down the field and score, if the Chiefs go down the field and score, then we can go then we can go right back to to the way it is. All right, Chiefs just scored. Let's go to now it's sudden death. Now it's sudden death. Any score. You give up a field goal, you lose. I'm okay with that. Chiefs got a chance to get the ball back. They scored. They had a chance. They 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 could have gone for two. You know, they could try to end the game there. Whatever. That's my solution. My solution is the other team gets the every team each team gets the ball at least once. And I heard this argument today. People made this argument. Oh, they can't do that because. Because player safety and and you can't do that because then it's different it's it's different rules. Are you gonna have different rules for the playoffs? Guess what? Professional leagues do things differently in the playoffs. I had a discussion with Kim from Stay Out of My Crease Tuesday nights. Guys, there's a show on Tuesday, so those of you that listen to uh that are in, interested in hockey, stay out of my crease with Kim Tuesday night at nine o'clock Eastern, uh, stay out of my crease. We'll be doing a show. I talked to Kim, and I, I I had to clear it up because I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was doing. So I talked to Kim, and I asked her. I said, "In hockey, overtime, they play overtime. They play one period of overtime. If nobody scores, they go to a shootout in the regular season. However," In the playoffs, they suspend that rule. They play until there's an end. They play until somebody scores and the game's over. They don't they don't go to a shootout at any point. They just keep playing the game. Same thing. So why do I bring that up with the NFL? The NFL can do this. They can say, all right, we're going to go with the touchdown ends of the game rule in the regular season because we don't want games to last forever. But in the playoffs where somebody's season ends, that's it. You know, where somebody's season ends, let it end with them getting the ball, with them getting a chance. That's my feeling on it. And there's no reason. Anybody who tells you, oh, well, the NFL can't do this because you, you can't change your rules just because it's a playoff game. No, you can it, it it's done it's it's done in other sports they change the rules based on the fact that this is an elimination game we're not going to leave it up to chance we're going to we're going to make sure everybody gets the ball and uh Marcellus Wiley made this point on on one of the shows on uh speak for yourself today 
made this point, and it's the best. It's the best way to describe this. NFL overtime, the way it's set up right now, you put two thirds of the game. You take a third of the game out of out of the hands. And what do I mean by that? What does he mean by that? What he means is a game is played, and you have three factions. You have special teams, you have defense, and you have offense. If one team does not get the ball, then an offense and a defense do not have a, a, a say in, in what happens. Only the special teams and and the offense and defense, only those – there's only th- – there's only two-thirds of the game that get to play. The other third of the team is just sitting there watching and has no say in the end of the game. That, to me, is wrong. That's, that's where I, I, I say it's wrong. That's why I say they need to be able to get the ball back, have an offensive drive, and make it work. All right? Um, so that's my feeling on the NFL overtime rule and uh next week next week we will break down more of more of the Patriots Rams we got two weeks to do it um you know we have next week next week we're going to do uh, a whole lot of things with the Super Bowl uh hopefully we'll get um you know maybe we'll get some some people to call in play some different games with them um make some bets, do some things out there. But, you know, we'll go through everything like we did last year. Last year we did um, – we previewed the Super Bowl by looking at all the different prop bets. So we'll do some prop bets for you. We'll have we'll have all of that next week because really, I mean, this week we're really focusing on uh, the championship games. So the last thing I want to get into uh, before – before we start our special program, um, is there's a lot of talk out there about who oh, there's a lot of talk out there about uh, Tom Brady went on on the radio and said, "Oh, you know, Coach Bill and I, we get along, we're okay, you know," and the media jumped on him. You're lying. You guys hate each other. Blah 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 blah. I don't understand. The media does not understand relationships. In a relationship, these guys have been together for 19 years. 19 years. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have times where you say, I believe this. You believe that. You were wrong. I was right. Blah, 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 blah. That's what happened with Brady and Belichick this summer. Brady didn't hate Bill Belichick. He, he didn't despise him. They had a disagreement, and Brady said, I'm going to do it my way. You're going to do it your way, and they came back. They looked at each other, and they said, you know what? We're good together. We can do this. Let's go. The media can't understand that. They don't understand that because they want a rift between the two. They want to be able to pick, is it Brady or is it Belichick? Who, who gets more of the credit? They don't understand that when people work together, you can, you can work across from somebody – and have a disagreement with them and still get your job done and still work with that person and be like, hey, look, I don't believe the same as you. You don't believe the same as me, but we have the same goal, 
So we're gonna put we're gonna put our differences aside and get this to, and get this going. That's what champions do. That's how relationships work. They work by people looking across from each other and saying, "This is gonna work. We're gonna make this work because we want the same thing for each other." But they don't understand that. They need to say, "No, it was Bill Belichick who was better, or it was Brady who was better." I mean, the media needs that. These two guys don't need that, and they don't talk. That's why they don't talk about it, and they don't care. That's why Bill Belichick said, "It's just gossip," and he doesn't care. I mean, can you get any more real than what Bill Belichick gives you? He gives you the real answer, and everybody says, "Oh, it's that's a fake answer," or "He's he's lying," or "He he doesn't he doesn't," you know. They get mad at the fact that he, um, you know, gives them. He gives them short, quick answer. He gives you short answers because you ask him stupid questions. Like, is there a rift between you and Tom Brady? He's going to be like, no. We just made it to the Super Bowl. So if there's a rift, then we're going to keep that going. Like, give me a break. And now, and now to the other, to answer that question of who deserves the credit, Brady or, Bel- or Belichick, on this season, if you were to give me the, the Pats dynasty, who deserves more credit? It's Tom Brady on the whole dynasty. Okay? I'm going to go player every time. And I'm a guy who loves coaches. I coached. But if you if you put anything player versus coach for the for an extended period of time, it's the player. This season who deserves more credit? It's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick had probably his best coaching job this year. Putting that team together. Keeping that team together. Putting the right pieces in place. Bill Belichick was more important to the Patriots this year. This year and this playoff run, Bill Belichick's game plan, Bill Belichick's um, ability to shut down the other team, his ability to find the weakness in the other team. That's what made the that's what makes the Patriots a a formidable opponent is that Bill Belichick will find your weakness and he will exploit it. So, if you were to ask me that question, who's more important for this run, for this particular run, it's Bill Belichick. He's more important. If you were to ask me for the overall, for the entirety of it, it always goes to Tom Brady because it always goes to the player. But for these two to have a 19-year run the way they're having it, 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 there's no question in my mind. There's no question in my mind over the 19 years. It's, the answer's Tom Brady. But the answer is, the, the answer is both of them. But if you make me pick one or the other, I'm going with the player every time. So. All right. So that's the NFL. That's the sports angle of this. And I'm going to use one more sports topic to bring me into my next, the next segment of my show. Um, for those of you that don't know, and for those of you that are out there listening, we're going to, uh, we're going to take, we're going to take a step back from the sporting world for a minute. Um, 
So I'll just give you the I'll just give give the I'll give you the whole story. Um so last Wednesday last Wednesday, you know we do we know obviously you're listening right now. You know every Wednesday we do our show live, um eight eight Eastern to ten eight PM to ten PM Eastern. So at, at about ten thirty last Wednesday I got a call from a buddy of mine that um my best friend in the whole world um Gino Nazaro passed away and um I got the call and I at first I didn't believe it at first it was like what you know like you're kidding it, like I I used a little more colorful language but you know it was a shock so we've been um you know we've been going through all this stuff all 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 the stuff of all the stages of grief um over my buddy passing away so it just happened uh we just had the wake and the uh, and the funeral and everything so um what we're going to do for this for the second hour of this program we are we're going to dedicate the second hour of this program to stories of the life of Gino Nazaro and Gino man this was a kid who no matter what was going on you could count on Gino if you needed if you whatever you needed him to do if you needed him to drive and pick you up somewhere he would do it if you needed him to play softball, he would do it. If you needed him to help you move, he would do it. This was this was a kid, if you were feeling down and you just needed somebody to hang out with, he would do it. He would do it, and he would make you feel good about whatever it was going on in your life. He would make you happy about it. He'd walk in with that goofy smile of his, and immediately you would forget about the troubles of the world and you know just have just have a good time. That's what it was all about, and um, so in honor of Gino, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open, I'm gonna open the show up, and anybody out there, if you're listening, if you got a story of uh, a time you spent with Gene Nazaro, I mean, I I could probably fill about four episodes of this show just with stories of Gino Naz, but um. If if any of you have a sh- have a story out there you want to share it share in the memory of them um give us a call again the number is 646-668-8467 um but otherwise you're just going to have to listen to my stories and of course I'm going to start off with a story uh the the story of when I knew Gino Naz was going to be my best friend. Uh, we met in fifth grade in Miss Patterson's class. Uh, the reason Gino and I became friends was because he liked Metallica and he liked wrestling, and I liked Metallica and I liked wrestling, and that's pretty much what we talked about. So I'm over at Gino's house, and <laughs> I know I know Tony right now is. Is probably dreading. He, 
when I when I talked to him and told him I was doing this, I told him I was going to tell this story, and he he kind of he laughed and said, "I knew you were going to tell that story." So I'm sure he's uh, I'm sure he's chuckling right now because he knows where this story's going. But um, so I'm at Gino's house. And we're we're playing video games down in his basement. I think we were playing wrestling, but really that it doesn't really matter what we were doing. We were just playing video games, and his dad starts. His dad starts up the the riding mower and he's mowing the lawn, and all of a sudden we hear this god awful sound all over the back of the all over. I look out the window and I go, Gino, is your dad mowing the rocks? What is he doing? And Gino gets up, looks out. So now we're we're up. We're not playing video games anymore. We walk over to the window so we can see him. And we see his dad up on the side of the rocks. The lawnmower is about to tip over, and Gino just goes, just grabs the shade, closes the shade on the window, and goes, I don't want to know what's going on. And we go back to playing video games. Like, (laughs) he didn't care at all. He was just in awe of what is, he's just like, my dad's doing something stupid. I don't want to see this. That's what I do. All right, Gino and I are going to be good friends because I would do the same. I was I was thinking the same thing. I was like, just close the window. We don't know what's going on. Um, so that's how I knew we were going to be good friends. And, of course, that was like sixth grade. Um, so later on in our, in our day, so the, the – the real thing that that brought that really brought Gino to that that brought Gino together was um was our glove our glove for baseball. All right, Gino always played baseball, I played baseball and Guilford Little League when I played, Guilford Little League had the best little we were the best little league you could find, not because we were the best players, but because if you played in our league we had the we had real uniforms. Like when when I was 11 years old and I got to put on, I was draft. First we had a tryout and we had a draft. Like you had to get picked to be in what they called the majors. And when I got the call that I got drafted by the Dodgers, like they gave you an actual jersey. Like it wasn't just something that somebody printed up that just said Dodgers on it and like sponsored by the little store or, you know, sponsored by so-and-so package store or pub, pub, whatever. It wasn't like that. It was the actual jersey, like an actual Dodgers jersey with the logo. Like, it was the coolest thing ever. So I was on the Dodgers. Gino was on the Orioles. We were we were playing in the, uh, in the, in the semifinals. Semifinals, we got matched up against Gino's Orioles. And since it was the semifinals, our coach didn't want to pitch our number one starter because he had already pitched the game before and wanted to save him for the championship game. So they gave me the ball. And this was the most epic game I've ever played in. Um, Gino, you know, Gino's team, they, they were really good. They... Gino was the best hitter on the team. You knew he was going to hit bombs. So 
I get the ball, and of course it's little league, so it was a six inning game. We get to the fifth, we get to the top of the sixth inning, no score, you know, zero zero game. It's everything. Everything matters. I'm coming up to lead off the inning, and Gino's catching. And anybody who's ever played sports with Gino knows Gino likes to, Gino Gino likes to talk like to talk shit. He liked he liked to bust your balls, and especially while he was catching, he would like he would like to break your balls. So he's breaking my balls the whole at bat, and you know Gino knew like Gino knew I was the same way. Like I would when he was break my balls, I would talk back to him. So he knew like so he says to me, and I'll bring this up in this story. Um, if you're if you're of of my age, you probably know the the um, you know the movie, uh, you know Major League, Major League Two, when Omar Epps is up at the plate and uh, you know is Willie Mays Hayes and Jack Parkman are going back and forth and Willie Mays Hayes gets the walk and he's like I'll see you ho- I'll see you at home sweetheart, you know. Uh, we we kind of had the same thing going except I was up there and Gino's talking Gino's talking his junk and he and he says to me he goes. He goes, oh, you're not talking back, so I know I'm in your head right now. And I said, and I, I looked at, I looked out at the picture, and I just said, I just said to Gino, I said, no, nah, I'm just saving my response for when I cross the plate. And as I'm, after I say this, I hit, I hit a rocket to right field, gets by the kid, I get a triple, I end up scoring, and obviously talking junk to Gino as I'm crossing the plate. So we come up, I get in the dugout, everybody's going nuts. My coach goes, my coach tells uh, another kid on our team, all right, go in the bullpen, you're warming up. This was a, a kid, I was a 12-year-old on the team at the time. This kid was 10. He he goes, he goes, go get in the bullpen, you're going in next inning. I grab the kid as he's running by, I grab him by the jersey, I go, sit down. <laughs> I go, you could sit down. I go up to Coach Sullivan and I say, I'm pitching. I said, you're not taking me out of this game. We're up one nothing. I'm going out there. We're going out there. So I go out for the last inning, get the first two outs. Who's coming in the plate? Of course it's Gino. And we all knew Gino was, was the big hitter on the team. He could hit bombs when he was a – when he was in Little League, he would hit bombs, dude. So – Everybody knew that, and, and anybody out there who knows Gino is listening to this knows when he played softball, where did he hit the ball? Oh, he hit the ball to left field. He was pulling everything. You knew that going in. So first pitch I give him, first pitch I give Gino is inside corner, fastball inside corner. Gino turned on it. I, it's, this was 20 years ago. I still don't think that ball's landed. He hit a ball as hard as I think you could have hit it, and luckily for us, it went foul. If you, if you're from Guilford, you know the field. You know the fields at Adams. There's there's the one in the back that is by the woods. Gino hit it into that woods, and it just went, it just went miles into that woods. Like I have no idea where that ball ever landed. Like it was, it, it was a mile. He must have hit that ball a mile, but it went straight foul. 
<laughs> straight foul. And uh, so it ends up being that. So after he hits that long one foul, the next pitch I throw an outside pitch, and Gino hits it right up the middle, right up the middle. I'm thinking, oh, man, he's just hit a gapper. Our center fielder makes a diving catch, game over, we win the game. Gino, you know, this is the one thing. You know, we were, he, they were so mad that they lost that game. We were so happy that we won. But, you know, and, you know shaking hands at the end, I said, Gino. Gino told me, he said, you know, I'm so glad it was you guys that beat us because I can actually respect you guys for it. And that's the kind of kid Gino was. Like, as soon he he was mad as hell when the kid caught it, spiked his bat, and you know, getting angry. But as soon as the game ended, it was like, yo, we're boys again. Like, we got we got we got nothing. We're all, we're all we're we're all together again. Like he didn't it didn't carry over. It wasn't one of those things like you guys beat us. I hate you. Like there was not there was ne- there was never that moment, and that's kind of. That's kind of the way things were with Gino. It was like, yeah, we could go against each other, and we could. And it's like I said in the beginning, where like it's like I was saying with uh, with Brady and Belichick, like you can have disagreements with somebody, you can get angry with them, and you, and you could go be adversarial with them, but at the end of the day, you were all boys again. That's how it always was. That's how it always was with with Gino, and and I'll never forget those moments um and of course we didn't forget those moments because uh gino and i obviously went on to further careers in baseball and um so his dad asked me to be on this how do i put this Probably the dumbest idea in the history of ideas. If you know anything about Connecticut in the winter, um, it's not baseball season. But for some reason, we were playing baseball in the winter, in like February, in Connecticut. There was snow. We were playing on snow, okay? Like they shuffled like the, the base paths, and that was it. Um. So we're playing in this winter league, and uh, Gino's dad was the coach, um, and I was in center field. Literally, I I remember our coach, yell, uh, the other coach on our team, uh, Lepore, was yelling at us. He's yelling at me, take your hat off. You can't wear that hat. I go, nope, it's winter. I, I had a winter hat on. First of all, this was not a normal winter hat. This was like a winter hat with a a dragon's tail on it. Like the thing went all the way down to my butt. I was like, it was the most ridiculous hat ever, but it was so warm. And I was like, I'm not taking this thing off. So I'm sitting there in center field with this dragon hat on. And, you know, Gino's catching. So you can hear him after, you can hear him on every play. He's like, all right, one out, blah, 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 plays the first or you know, two out, two outs, place the third, like whatever, like whatever we needed to do. Um, you know, it's calling out, but I could hear him from center field going, 
he's telling people as they're coming up, he goes, dude, just hit it to the jackass with the dinosaur hat on. Because Gino's just sitting there making fun of me to the other team. Like, that's how we did it. Like, <laughs> he's like, hit it to this jackass. So, uh, so we're playing in this league. We're playing in the championship game. When they did this league, I don't know how they set this league up, but it was it was double elimination, and me, our team, and the and the team we faced in the championship game, they were we we were both undefeated going into the final game, and so in the final matchup, somebody had to win twice. So we beat them the first game, and I I I made the catch in center field that ended the game. So. We're going to play right back, back to back. So I catch it. I throw the ball up in the air. I'm like, all right, let's do this again, baby. Let's kick their ass again. You know, just being the loud jackass that I am. Um, I start yelling. I start yelling about this. So I forget we have to play again. <laughs> I forget. We're playing, like, right away. So I get in. I'm leading off the game. And their pitcher, again, it's February in Connecticut. It is not warm out. It's cold. And this dude throws at me. First pitch. Throws it behind me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, dude, if you hit me, I'm going to hurt you. Second pitch. Dude throws it right at the back of my head. I, I was running down the first base. I spiked the bat. I said, that's it. We're going. And I went to go to the mound. And who grabs me but Gino? Grabs, grabbing the back of me, holding me back. His dad runs out, is is standing in front of me, and I'm like, no way, dude. I'm like, dude, this kid just hit me in the head on purpose. I'm getting mine. And Gito's sitting there holding me back. He's like, dude, we'll get him after. Don't worry about it. Like, So he pretty much saved me from running out and absolutely destroying whoever this whoever that kid was that pitched against us. But these are just some of the, the baseball memories that I have of Gino. But um you know, most of our stuff is most of our stuff, especially at the young age, is through sports. 'Cause that that's pretty much how we connected was we both played baseball and we were always just hanging out at each other's house doing stupid stuff. Um doing stupid stuff together. So then then we end up going then we, you know, we end up playing ball together. Even though I went to a different high school and things got different, I would always come back, and Gino would always be that one that I was hanging out with. Like, um, anytime Guilford was having a sporting event, I didn't go to Guilford High School, so anytime there was a Guilford High School sporting event, I'd be like, Gino, you going to the game tonight? All right, I'm com- you going to the basketball game? I'm coming. I'm coming with you. And we would we would all roll together, so we'd go to we'd go to everything together during uh, during high school, and then got to college. And <laughs> the the one thing I remember about Gino in college was I went to Springfield and I called Gino up, and I'm like, Gino, just come visit me, man. I was like, you got to come visit, you got to come visit. Of course, the weekend Gino picks to come up and visit me is the one weekend where the track team is doing like um 
I don't know. We had to do something. We had to do like to get our fundraising. We had to do like stupid stuff for the gymnastics team. Like we had to roll mats and uh, like clean up after them and all this bullshit. So Gino tells me, "I'm coming up. I'm coming up on Saturday." I'm like, "Okay." I'm like, "When are we gonna finish this?" So I'm like, "Gino, come up. Like come up around nine and and you know I'll I'll be back by then." Of course. Gino doesn't listen to me. He comes up at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, Gino, I got to go do this thing. So Gino's just hanging out in my room and doesn't know anybody at Springfield. He knows like my core friends that I introduced him to and that's it. I'm like, Gino, you can stay here. Here's my here's my card. You go down to the thing and get – go down to the student center, get food or whatever and come back. But I got to go do this. I got to go do this thing. I'll be back at like 9. It ends up taking us like four hours to clean the freaking gym after the gymnastics game. So so I get back and Gino's in my room with with like four other people that I don't know. He's like, Yeah, I met these dude he's like, I met these dudes and this girl at the at the student center, told him to come back. Told him, told him to come back here. They're just sitting in my room hanging out <laughs> hanging out, drinking beers and uh, through. I didn't even know who these kids were. I was like, "Who are these kids? Like, who are you guys?" So then we end up going over to um, going over to their dorm, and we're like, "We're like, let's go continue the party elsewhere." So this dude. So Gino and I, when we hung out in college. We would drink. We would drink Southern Comfort, and Gino. So Gino brings the bottle with him, and we're going over to these people's dorm. And this kid goes, "Southern Comfort, I love that. I could drink that whole thing." Gino's like, "Yeah, right. You can't do that." <laughs> Gino. So Gino goes, "You know what? I want to see this." So he gives him the whole bottle. Kid downs the thing. Gino goes. I go to Gino. I'm like, dude, you just gave him all our alcohol. He goes, that's okay. He goes, that's okay. That kid will be passed out soon. We literally walked down the street, went to my – or walked down the hall, went to my buddy's room. We're hanging out for like a half hour. Come back. That kid's just passed out in the hallway. Gino steps over him and goes, I told that kid he wouldn't be able to handle it. We put him in his room, put him to bed. That kid woke up. He had no idea what happened the next day. And Gino was just, just and Gino was just like, I told him not to do it, but I wanted to see what I wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> Those were some of the funnier moments of my boy Gino. And of course, he comes up for one weekend, causes chaos, and and then he leaves. So, of course, years go years go on from college, and Gino and I are still hanging out, still friends. Gino actually got me on the softball team that I played on because of what uh, of all the garbage that that goes on. I'm I'm sitting there hanging out with Gino one night, and he goes, "My team's coming to practice, going to practice tomorrow." And I'm like, "Oh, I haven't played softball in a while. I'll go play. Can I come practice with you guys?" Sure. I show up at the field. Nobody's there. 
I see a couple of guys start to get out and throw. I'm like, oh, this must be the guy's team. I go, I start playing with the other team. I start playing with these guys. I go, you guys know Gino? No, I don't know what team he's on. Finally, Gino shows up like three hours later with his team. And they're, I'm like, this isn't your team? They're like, kid, guy looks at me and goes, wait, you don't have a team? You're playing for our team now. So I, I end up getting on my softball team because Gino tells me to go play at the wrong, play for the wrong team, play at the wrong, told me the wrong time to show up, and it ends up I end up playing in that league, and that's how I met a lot of the other ball guys um, through that game. So, um, you know, it was just funny that uh, that. I was trying to play on that kid's team, and I end up playing on a totally different team. But that—that's how. That's kind of a a microcosm. It's kind of like a story of, of what Gino does. Like he just brings people together. Like uh, I was talking about this at at the wake, like watching everything that was going on because I was a part of everything. You know, he had his work crew, he had his. Uh, poker buddies, he had his softball friends, he had his high school friends, like, we were all in the same, I was watching, like, this happen, and I was seeing all the different people that this kid brought together, like, it wasn't like one group of people, were. it wasn't, it was an odd thing, because usually at, at these kinds of things, you have, like, one group of people, and everybody knows each other, there were, like, four different sections where, like, People didn't know who each other was, but they all knew, like, these were all, you know, that's how Gino was. He just made you want to hang out. He just made people want to hang out together. And we had that, we had that story kind of, you know, we had all those stories kind of, kind of unfolding, like, I'll tell <laughs> Mrs. Naz is probably not gonna like this story, but um, hold on, I got what just happened, Benjamin. Oh, so anyway, we had um, oh yeah, Mrs. Naz is not gonna like this story, um, so. In eighth grade, we had a Super Bowl. Like, we were like, all right, we're going to have a Super Bowl party. We'll have a couple of friends over, you know, just a couple of us. The, the year before, it was me, Kevin, and Gino. That was our Super Bowl party. So we're like, we're going to do it at Gino's house. Oh, my God. This was the greatest Super Bowl party I've ever been. To. I've been to Super Bowl parties that have been off the hook. This one was outrageous and we were only in eighth grade and uh let's see we had a i mean one it was a hell of a game it was the rams titans super bowl whatever year the rams played the titans that was that was the super bowl that it was that's the only way i remember the the years and, and the super bowl numbers i only remember by the teams i don't remember anything else but this <laughs> When we got, when I got there, there were so many people there. I mean, there were there were there were baseball pe- people there. There were uh, 
There were guys that played on the football team. There were there were guys that just lived down the street. Like it it wasn't just us. It was like a whole group. There were whole groups of people, and there were there was probably like twenty people in this basement watching the Super Bowl. We had a Super Bowl party. We had a battle royal at halftime. Just guys just throwing each other around. We were doing like wrestling and uh, elbow drops off the couch, like. It was it was absolutely insane the things that happened. I remember we had the lights off and when we had the rumble things were just going all over the place. Uh, all of a sudden we turned the lights on at the end of the game. Cupcakes are stuck to the walls. Like it was just a whole bunch of just a mess of things that were going on. But again, that's just what we did. Like we had all these people together. Nobody knew any, like, we all knew each other, but, like, nobody there was, like, best friends. Like, we were just all, there was, like, 20 of us that were just packed into this one room. And all of a sudden, we just go, let's start a rumble. And guys were just, guys were just going off the walls. It was crazy. Um, so that was one moment. Um, another classic, um, classic Gino Naz moment and um for those of you that are listening on on Blog Talk Radio um if you're looking through um there should be a there should be pictures scrolling by um I I, pu- I tried to put a bunch up I, I put a bunch that I found uh of, of me and Gino or Gino and I out at parties or Gino uh out and about us playing softball together us so those are all the pictures. Um, Gino's the big Italian-looking dude. I am the skinny-looking white kid in all the pictures. So if you're trying to get a, uh, a, a view of them, those are the, those are the things. Um, there's one picture that stands out, and it's of four of us. It's of me, Victor, Justin, and Gino. Hanging out, and you know, this is a college football show. That picture, the only thing I remember from that picture is that it was taken at the uh, the Rose Bowl between Texas and USC. We were hanging out, and and we just decided, everybody just decided, well, let's let's go watch the game together, and we ended up. Ended up at Gino's house, just packed in, watching this game. And no, we don't. We didn't even like Texas or USC. We just wanted to watch the national championship game. And it ended up us just having like the best time of our lives. Like just sitting there, reminiscing with each other, hanging out, and uh, it's just one of those things. Like. Years later, Victor moved to San Diego. So, I took this as an opportunity to say, I, I want to go to San Diego. So, Gino and I took a trip out there. And <laughs> funniest thing about Gino is, he was the he was the toughest, I don't know how to put this, let's see. He was the toughest, wussiest kid I know. 
Like, there were things, like, Gino had that tough guy, like, ah, but then when something really got to him, he was like, I'm not doing it. I don't want to do this. I'm scared. Flying was one of those things. He hated flying. And we're going to San Diego. So I'm sitting next to him on the plane, and he's flipping out. What are we doing? What's going on? I'm like, dude, just look out the window. <laughs> I'm like, we're fine. We're moving. Like, don't worry about it. So the whole trip to San Diego, Gino is flipping out, just going crazy. And I'm like, dude, just think about – I'm like, think about something else. Think about football. Think about baseball. I don't know what to tell you. Like, because – I don't I don't worry about flying like none of that stuff bothers me. But he was flipping out the entire trip. And so to get his mind off it I start talking football with him. He's a big Jets fan. So he makes a bet. So I make a bet with him on the plane. I go, Gino, if you make uh I go, we were talking about it was one of those years where the Browns had like one win and they were terrible, you know, one of those, like, 900 years that the Browns stink. But they were playing the Steelers, who were, like, the best team in the league at the time. And I said, yo, the Browns are going to win this game. And if the Browns win it outright, you got to wear a Patriots jersey to the bar. Well, the Browns went out, won the game, and I just started laughing at them. And uh, we th- we made him wear a Patriots jersey to the bar. He, I think the picture is on there. If you're looking at the scroll, if you're looking at the little scrolly thing, it's a picture of him giving the middle finger with the Patriots jersey on. Because <laughs> that's how we did it, man. It was it was fun making him do stuff. But out in San Diego, the other thing Gino liked to do was play poker. And um, we go out there. And I told you before when I was in little, since I was in little league, Gino was that kind of kid who liked to talk shit. So Gino and I are in the poker room, and we get seats on opposite ends. So we're just yelling at each other from across the the poker room. You know, how's your table? Oh, a bunch of donkeys over here. Oh. I just took this guy for all, you know, we're just yelling to each other like jackasses that we are because it, it was San Diego. Like, they're not used to our brand of just brashness. Like, everybody was quiet and, like, didn't say much to anybody. And here's these two kids yelling at each other, making fun of everybody around the table. So eventually, it works down to where Gino and I, they, they had to combine tables. So we end up being at the same table. And so we're we're talking, and, and again, we're seated across from each other. So now we're sitting there talking to each other, just just bullshitting the entire time. Like, this kid playing this hand. Like, I didn't even know what he had. I was just busting his chops. He'd bust my chops. And we would just talk shit. We were talking shit to every, people at the table, each other. Like, people didn't know. People didn't know what was going on. So... This guy turns to Gino and he goes, dude, I can hear you through my noise-canceling headphones without, a, without, a even, without even thinking about it. Just snap decision. Gino goes, Gino turns to him 
and goes, well, you got you done got ripped off. Because if you can still hear me, you he goes, he goes, you done got ripped off. Because I can get through your noise canceling headphones, and I'm in your head. I'm taking all your money. I was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, needless to say, San Diego people, they were, they were not happy with us when we left the, the poker room, but we left, we won, we won, uh, I, for, I forget how much, I think we won, each won like a couple hundred bucks playing poker, so, you know, good times were had by all, and, um, that was just one of the many times Gino got us into trouble, um, Got us into trouble running his mouth. Uh, oh, cool. Um, uh, work. Okay. Well, my computer decided it wanted to be stupid, so I want to try to get in touch with somebody here. So, sounds good, bro. Okay, so the other thing that Gino did that I found, I I always found funny is we always had nicknames for everybody. Like, Gino Gino could make a nickname out of anything. He would just, and, and the thing is, it stuck with people. Like, if Gino gave you the nickname, like, people... Like people, he would just call people by random names, the names that he couldn't. Like if he couldn't pronounce your name, he just made it up. He would just make it up. Like um, my friend Jenny was telling me this story, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name either because I can't. I can't do it. I never learned her last name because Gino introduced me to her as Jenny Vodka because he couldn't pronounce her last name, and. She and I was like, Jenny. I was like, Jenny Vodka. I was like, that's your last name? And she was like, that's what he calls me. So, yeah, like, that's what he did. He would just make people's names up. Um, he would call me, he would call me, he, he would, he would call me the incomparable Chris Dietz. Yes, because no one compares. Uh, Gino would call. <laughs> uh, he, he gave, he gave guys, he'd say, <laughs> Gino came up came up with the phrase. Uh, he had a guy on his softball team. He, he said he said uh, he had a guy on his team on his softball team. And so anytime Gino anytime Gino and I were out, he would go. Gino would go. You never go full cowboy. And he would yell it while this guy's playing. It was like the most ridiculous thing. Um, but Gino would make up nicknames for people, and he would just he would call he would call them by like he he didn't mind yelling this out loud, yelling this out loud at people. Um, he'd make up names for for stuff around him. Somebody was telling me like at work he would um you know, he had he had names for his devices, so he'd be like um he'd he'd call people. He'd call people by ridiculous things. Like he'd be like, "Oh, this jack wagon over here." Like it was 
anytime you needed a good laugh, you could just ask Gino a question about anything that was going on, and he would come up with the most ridiculous story for for anything or the most ridiculous take on anything. Um, you know, that's one of the things I'm going to miss the most, and I think we need it in, in this country. I'm going to get a little bit political on y'all for a little bit because Gino was never into politics, but recently, like, he's been getting on everybody about about politics stuff because everybody goes nuts on Facebook. And and people people will, will post pro-Trump stuff or, you know, anti-Trump stuff. And then Gino's posts on it are always like, who cares what this guy thinks, blah, blah, blah. All I care about is getting to work. All I care about is do I still have to go to work tomorrow? Why do I have to do this? Why does he get to do that? Like, and he would just totally get under people's skin. Like, he would say stuff just to rile people up. And and that was his way. And But you would get so riled up about it that you'd start, like, I don't know, for me, he would always try to, like, get me fired up, and I would just laugh at him. Like, it would get me so riled up that I would just laugh at the situation. And now now I could just, you know, um, go through with it. So, um, you know, we had a couple of those stories. I mean, there's a lot of things out there. <laughs> we, My favorite Gino riling people up moment is... We went to a con- we went to a concert. We think it was Ozfest that we were at, and Ozfest it was Ozfest in the dead of August here in Connecticut. It was like a hundred degrees out. It was so hot they were giving people water bottles when you walked in. They gave you a free water bottle. So obviously, when you drank the water bottle, like what were you going to do with it? Like every people were. People were holding on to it. You could go, like, refill them, I guess, but most people were just holding on to them on the lawn watching the show. Well, Gino gets, you know, we see these two people in front of us, and they're just going to town on each other. And as I said before, Gino and I got into it because he's a big wrestling fan. So he's doing the macho man uh thing where he's egging the crowd on, he's telling them to, to like he's telling them to get rowdy, the crowd's getting rowdy. Gino steps up like probably like a foot away from this kid, crow hops and just belts him with the um with the empty water bottle. It hits this kid. And when Gino threw it, it hits this kid. He turns around and he was so mad. All of a sudden from the top of the from the top of the lawn at the meadows, everybody's just hucking their water bottles, and it and you saw it, it was like the wave. It was like the wave at a sporting event. Like you saw it coming. Like just water bottles. The whole lawn was just throwing them all over the place. It was crazy. All right, we got a caller here, so let's see what we got. Hey, what's going on, Fifth Down Sports Show? Hey, Deeds, what's happening? Hey, what's going on, buddy? What's happening, man? I told you I'd call you. And you called at the perfect time, man. What were you just talking about? I just turned it on. 
I was just talking. We're, I'm, I'm regaling the listening audience with stories of the man, the myth, the legend, Gino Nazaro. Gino. Woo! Love me some Gino. Man, that's a good dude. So, this is, uh, for the listening audience, this is my boy, Victor. And I was just telling him, I was just telling him the story of how we came out to San Diego and played poker, and Gino was uh, yelling at the dude about his uh, noise canceling headphones. So I, I told him that. I told him that story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so the floor is yours, man. I, you know, the kid was just uh, a legend. You know. Oh, we yeah. I mean. Oof. This, the list continues, but between us, uh, it's Cognac and fucking Newcastle, man. Like, that's all <laughs> I ever have to say. She knows wrapped up to me. <laughs> yeah, man. I I remember uh, coming out coming out to visit you in San Diego. Dude, he was a wreck going out there. Can't, couldn't get on the plane. All I kept telling him was, Dude, we're going out. We're going to see Victor. It's going to be awesome. And he was a wreck on the plane. Then we get there, and he was just like, this place is awesome. I can breathe. I can stay here. I can do everything here. (laughs) Yeah, it's the desert out here, man. There's no pollen. You didn't have to not breathe. It was, oh, So what's up, man? You're, you're, uh. Your team, your team, your team is in. Your team is in the. Uh, your team is in the Super Bowl, huh? Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. I am a real life Pats fan, and we didn't look good early, and then we turned it on late, and Brady became the goat once again, and here we are, back in the Super Bowl. I love it. And again, again for the listening audience. Uh, of course, of course. I, I told you that I told the audience a story that I heard of Gene's passing on Wednesday. So every play in that game, I was like, oh, "That's Gino." I was like, "There's Gino." I was like, "That that ball that that ball that bounced that ball that bounced and and somehow didn't hit Edelman." I was like, uh, "I was like, Gino's gonna make that hit him." Boom! Ball hits him. They called it. I mean, it, it, they didn't throw that challenge flag. I was going to be like, damn it, Gino. With every one of those dudes, I was sitting there and I'm like, is he setting me up? Is he setting me up? <laughs> yeah, he set me up. Nope, we're good. Oh, shit. And I was just waiting for it all to collapse, but I think he set me up in the Super Bowl and I'm really nervous. <laughs> yeah, I'd, 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 be so, I, if, I'd be so nervous. Although, I, I mean – how about this one? I was I was saying this to I was saying this to uh, the kid I went to the wake with, uh, my buddy Billy, because it it just dawned on me. Think about this yeah. one. Kid passes away. Last team to win the last team to win the World Series, Boston Red Sox. Ouch. Team that wins team that wins the Super Bowl, New England Patriots. If the Patriots win, that ain't the way. That's not the way it was supposed to go down. Well, he was a Jets fan. That's exactly how it was. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's a Jets fan. He's a Jets and a Yankees fan and the Red Sox and the and the uh 
Patriots are gonna win are gonna win the championship setting, right? You know, but that's just setting up, that's just setting everything up for the future, man. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, like just to touch on the game, it New England kind of reminds me of a little bit of 2001 with the offense, slightly. Like they're running big, they're running bigger formations. You know, they're run heavy, play action, a lot of the screens over the middle. Edelman looks being coordinated. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I mean, they're they're. I, I said I said that after the draft. I mean, once once they pick once they picked Sony Michelle, you knew the running game was going to be big for them this year. So you knew their offense was going to change. But yeah, that's always, that's always been the thing. They're fluid as water, like that Bruce Lee thing, that hype video. They're fluid. They can change, and that's what's made them dangerous. Well, that that's what brings up an interesting question, which I which I asked uh, asked and answered earlier in the program, and I'll ask you because you're a uh, diehard Patriots fan, so you can't sit on you can't sit on the fence here, okay? Ah, I know what you're gonna you ask can't me, sit, man. You I can't know. sit on the fence. Who gets more credit, Coach Bill or Tom Brady? Come on, man! They built it together, brick by brick. It was yeah, put together. Yeah, no, one. you got you got to pick one. Oh. If you got to pick, if you got to pick one, who gets more of the credit? I got to give it to Bill Belichick, just for the longevity and the genius and the the greatness he's created in other players. I mean, Lawrence Taylor, Rodney Harrison. Like, look what he did with great players. He made them greater. Like, that's been the common denominator. So, I got to give it to the coach. So see, I'm the other way around. Really? Longevity of it, longevity of it, for the longevity for the. If you ask me, who's responsible for the entire dynasty? I'm gonna go player every time. I'm gonna go Tom Brady, because he's the one that's been playing and making it happen. If you were to ask me this year, who's had the bigger impact? It's Bill Belichick. Like these last two playoff yeah. games are proof that Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. Like they've done it so many different ways yeah. that it, it, it just shows that he, he's the bigger thing, but I'm always going to go player. If you ask me I, that question, if you said who's more responsible, I'm always going to go player over coach every 99% of the time. Let, let me play devil's advocate with you. Cause like I get the player thing. Cause you make the plays, you're on the field. Like, I get that, but just hear me out real quick. If I can, Argue uh, go, you can you can you can go right ahead. So you look at the first run, two thousand and one to two thousand two, the first Super Bowl to the Eagles one. That was a lot of running, a lot of defense, great defense. Like look, at, think about the players he had. He rocked Ted Washington as a nose tackle. He had McGinnis. He had Bruschi. Uh, Rodney Harrison was still coming around in his in his prime to me. Ty Law was shut down. Ellis Hobbs played well. They were bringing him in. You know, it was just the defense carried those teams for the most part, in my opinion. Brady did enough. In that middle run when we lost to the Giants, he started to turn it over to Brady, and the offense was prolific. The defenses were okay. We got snagged. We got caught. That's when Brady started to shine, but that was still Belichick doing his thing. And then you come to this run, 
where we're at now, yeah, it was definitely a lot more Brady. But without Belichick early and establishing all this, like, does it ever get there? It's just, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, you can you can say that, and and that that's part of the Bill Belichick. It's not just that he coached the team, that he came up with the X's and O's. It's that he was the guy that said, "All right, this this guy's getting too old. We're gonna let him. We're gonna let this guy go and bring somebody new in, yeah. or you know, we're gonna bring in, uh, you know, just the one Bill Belichick like GM story is." Think about Lawyer Malloy. When Lawyer Malloy started, started to get long in the tooth, he's like, all right, Bill Belichick was like, all right, get out of here. We don't, need, we don't need you. We'll figure it out. And then half a season later, he's like, oh, you're, you're getting cut by them? Come on back. And he was still – and all of a sudden, Lawyer Malloy was back to being the right – you know, couldn't make, couldn't make the team in Buffalo, but he was didn't an all-star he, he for, for New England. That? I don't. Th- I didn't think he went back to New England after that. I thought he went right to Atlanta no, after he, that. No, he went. He went from New England, signed with Buffalo for the big contract. Buffalo right. waived him. He went right back to New. He went right back to New England. When did he end up being a Falcon? I remember him being. Then he. A Falcon. Then he yeah. Then he. Then he ended his career with the Falcons. But there was there was one season where he jumped one season to Buffalo. Yeah. They got rid of him the next season. He went right back to New England, and he was back to being a champion. I mean, it was, but, that's but the like guy. I said, that, but that, that kind of makes my point, though. Look at all the – you can always say no names that he put in systems, and he found his character guys and just always found that right player. I always go back. Look at Troy Brown, what he did. Troy Brown was the utility guy for everything. I still think he averages like one of the better punt return averages in the NFL in NFL history. He played defense for what two seasons at a point. He made a huge play in the divisional round against the Chargers in '06 when Brady got picked. He stripped Marlon McCree, and we were we got that. We won that game. I mean, just that alone, he found those kind of players. Yeah, I mean, it, Bill Belichick as a scheme and putting the whole thing together, and he created the culture. But again, if you're gonna give me nineteen if you're gonna give me nineteen years of a guy on the field, like I'm gonna I'm gonna take nineteen years of the player. Ninety nine percent ninety nine percent of the time I'm going player over player over coach because Brady and and that's the one thing that you could say the same thing about Brady. You could say, All right, well, at the beginning like you said at the beginning, you know, at the beginning uh, Belichick had a different style, made Brady play a little bit more contained. Yeah, Brady did all that. Brady does it, whether he's being conservative and handing the ball off or doing short passes or airing it out to Randy Mott. Like, Brady Brady has been flexible enough to do that. You don't see yeah. a lot of people that are able to do that. No, and to your point, too, then to go to the player, to go back to the other coin, this is why I wanted to sit on the fence. You think about Tom Brady and think about all the pay cuts that guy took to make sure there was other players getting signed. There was cap room. He always moved. How many times has Brady redone his deal just to help out the like help out the organization? Yeah, like he was, he was devote, he's devoted to winning. Like you got two people who are as possibly as smart as anybody who's ever positioned, and then that determination and unwillingness to win. 
That's a monster. You created a monster. Well, that's the other thing that's that's really funny is like, you know, people in the media all all summer, oh Brady's mad at Belichick. Brady's mad at this. Like, there's a rift between the two. Like, Brady gave up money. Brady gave up money for this. He's not going to throw it away. He's not going to throw away what he's doing. He's not going to throw away the chance at winning. Like, yeah. because because he's mad at his head them. coach. Because they have a disagreement. He's not going to be like, uh, you know what, I'm just going to uh, – I, I'm just going to wing it this year and not worry about a championship. Like, no, Brady's like, I took pay cuts for this. I want to win. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about where he finishes now. Like, he doesn't care anything. Like, that guy looks just strictly at, like, how many more Super Bowl runs can I make? No, he he doesn't look at how many touchdowns did he throw. He just looks at the score and says, did we have more than the other team? He does occasionally. He's like, oh, we're already up? I don't care. I'm not – I don't – He's like, oh, I'm not. I don't. I don't have to worry about throwing 51 touchdowns as long as 49 gets us to the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, man. There, that 07 season. Like, yeah, we didn't win the Super Bowl. That's still possibly my favorite season of all time. We were a video game. I. It was like how I play Madden against my son. Everybody on go routes. And just over the yeah. top. Amazing. Randy Moss, to me, sorry, I don't care what anybody thinks, your viewers, listeners. Hey, Randy Moss is the greatest receiver that ever played football. Hands down. He's the best talent. He's not Jerry Rice. He's not Jerry yeah. Rice. And that takes as, a lot as, for me being as, a me as, being a Cowboys fan. I have to say I have to say Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice was the most productive uh as far as as far as what he could do, I mean, Randy Moss was just. All right. So to me, look, think about the way think you, about the, this. No, no. To me, the difference between the two is Jerry could run. Jerry could run a three-yard slant and take it to the house. Jerry could run a, a ten-yard dig and make it look pretty, and he could run that fly route. Randy Moss was like, all right. Just go. We'll throw the ball, and you're so much better than everybody else. We'll just throw it up, and you're just going to jump over everybody and catch it. Like, Wait. So, so you're telling the, me that's, his fault is being bigger and faster and better than everybody else, so he yes. didn't have to do all that stuff? So he didn't, so have, to, so he didn't have to do, he didn't have to do all that, and, 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 and nobody asked him to do that. Nobody asked him to be the guy that goes – that that runs the dig route over the middle. That runs the five yard slant. Nobody asked him to do that because he was just bigger. And and they were like, "We'll just throw the ball up to you, and that's how you'll get it." Like that that to me that's the, the separation between the two because because you're you're splitting the hair so thin. Like when you say. Is Randy Moss the greatest, or is Jerry Rice? You're talking about the greatest of all time. Like the yeah. the 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 margin of error is so razor thin that there has to be one thing that separates, and the one thing that separates is I have I have the visual facts. I have the visual. I have I can I can visualize Jerry Rice running 
every single route possible. It didn't matter what the play was. Jerry Rice was open. Yeah. Randy I, no, Moss, I, I don't have I that. I, I and 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 that that's where I that's where I separate the two. But I I, I know what you're saying as far as Randy Moss, but I, Randy Moss is my number two. But Jerry Rice is there, and for the reason I just gave you, because I because I, I saw him do it. Under understood, but can I can I also say? I think if you give Randy Moss the caliber of quarterbacks that Jerry Rice got to play with over the majority of his career, they're, they don't even hold candles to it till he gets to Tom Brady. So imagine if he had those kind of talented QBs throwing Randy Moss the football. We're talking about a different oh, monster yeah. at that point. Like those years in Oakland where Randy Moss got lost, if you would have got him in New England way right out of Minnesota – I think we're having a different discussion about Brady and Randy Moss. Well, I mean, you look at the guys, you can, you can, that's one of the, that's one of the big things about Randy Moss that you can give him. I mean, look at the quarterbacks he made outstanding in Minnesota. Warren Moon Not on the tail end of it. Uh, Warren Moon on the tail end of his, on, on the tail end of his career. He made Dante yeah. Culpepper a star. He made Dante Culpepper look like a star. A legitimate pro bowler year in and year out. And he was awesome. (laughs) And then he made Randall Cunningham look like – he made Randall Cunningham, again, at the tail end of his career. Randall Cunningham was a shell of himself, but he looked like a star because he had Randy Moss there. But you could also say the same – about – that was the other thing I was just going to say. You could say – make the same argument for Jerry Rice. I mean, yeah, he had John Taylor on the other side and Terrell Owens towards the end. But, like, you look at in between that, what did you really have? I mean, J.J. Stokes? Like, no. Like, he didn't really have another guy on – he didn't have a guy on the other side of him. When you look at Randy no, Moss they had, good, in, they, had good running, they had good running games and stuff. They ran a lot of that off of play action for the most part, or they ran those quick things to the running back. Like, he was never super doubled up all the time. He had amazing quarterbacks that spreaded the ball around. Like, that was the crazy part. He did. He played with two yeah. Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But, again, then then you're, you're asking the question, the chicken or the egg did, you know. Yeah. Were the, were these were these guys Hall of Fame quarterbacks because they had Jerry Rice to throw to, or was Jerry Rice good because he had Hall of Fame quarterback? Go back and forth all day on that. But that's why that's why it's fun, and that's why I like to have that argument with people because that's why I, it's important. Randy Moss, that's my guy. Like that's just yeah. how I look at it. He's my guy. Exactly. We but, we did that. Hey. We did that over the we did that over the summer. We did. Uh, we did a, our, our summer of greatness, and we'll we'll probably do it again. But it it, it uh, all it all comes down to your personal your personal view. If if you like if you like if you like Randy, you're gonna take Randy. If you like Jerry, you're gonna take Jerry. If you running back, if you like Barry, you're gonna like Barry. If you like Emmett, yeah, you're gonna like right. Emmett. You know, it, it's all about it, and it's all great. It, it's all good. We don't have to have a guaranteed. This is the best one. It's the best one for that person, and as don't, long as as long as, as long as you make your case, we, we can get time. we can get behind it. That's all. What's That's that? the only one everybody agrees on. Is Tom Brady's the greatest of all time? 
no no real argument there. That's uh, there there solid. are people there are people there are people that will there are people that will argue that there are people that will argue that point. Yeah, I'm not one of them because I don't. I, but there are people. There are people that like to make that discussion. I, I I see them. I see them every day on Facebook. So those are the people you don't want to talk to. Those are the people <laughs> that should have been smoked. Like it's bad. Like it's like talking to walls. <laughs> they hate them, but it's like he definitely is the greatest. Sorry, guys. Oops. But yeah, hey, but I now how fitting? How yeah, fitting the, is Mariano Rivera? Unanimous induction into the Hall of Fame, such a fucking Geno moment. Oh, we talked about we talked about that earlier on in the show, but you, oh, that, I, I open I open I open the show with Mariano Rivera, and no, I I I said it at the uh, you know Mariano Rivera is is the best he's he was the best pitcher in baseball for ten years straight. Didn't matter that he was closing games; he was the best pitcher. Like starter closer, I don't care. He was the best thrower of the baseball that you yeah, had in the game. Definitely, he definitely was. But what kills <laughs> and, me is Poppy has that little blemish on his mark, and he fucking flaunts that, and he loves it, and it drives me nuts. Well, oh. yeah, come on, uh, come on, wouldn't you? If you got it, if you got a hit off the greatest of all time, yeah. I would no, definitely. You, no, you I would too. Uh, shit, uh, that that would be like you, the wallpaper as you walk into my house bigger. would be that hit. Yes. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt. But Gino, dude, no bigger Yankee fan in my life than Gino Nazaro, man. Like that. Dude of course. No. Him. No bigger Yankee. No bigger Jet fan. It, it dude, was. You can make you know, almost. It's just a. It was weird. That's how big of a fan he was. He could make people think the Jets were okay. He found a way to like mix in his work, <laughs> put it together, and it was like, oh, the Jets might not be that bad. And then you look at him, and it's like, oh, they're four and twelve. They're terrible. <laughs> and he was always the first one to tell you, ah, the Jets stink. <laughs> yeah, like when he bet against in San Diego and he had to wear my Bledsoe jersey. It was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> yeah. you know what I wore during the title game? Bledsoe jersey. You're damn right I did. And I'm wearing it. Oh man. So oh. all right, man. I gotta uh I gotta get off the air here. They're uh no, screaming at me no, in my no. ear here. So um yeah, hey, it's always great talking to you and um anytime anytime you can call into the show, you're more than welcome, all right? I definitely will, man. It was good talking to you. I appreciate right, everything. Brother. And, uh, love, love us some Gino, and sorry I had to come to this on these terms, but yeah, but you know, it's like I, it's like I said before, man. That's what the kid, that's what the kid did. He just brought everybody. He just brought people together. Yeah, so, I said in my little podcast, it, you know, like same as, thing. As much as, as much as people say, as much as people say, oh, this is you know, this is not how it should be, like. This is how it was going to be anyway. It shouldn't have been I now, but this is how it was going to... Leaving. He was never going to survive No, It was going to be this way. He was going to bring everybody together no matter what. So, 
figures figures he would bring a lot of people together this way. So thank you, Ryan. Um, All right, Chris. I will talk to you. I might call you back next week, but hit me up during the week. We can figure something right, out. Definitely, man. Definitely. All right. All right. Nice talking Later, to you. Later, listen, man. Yeah. All right, so that's our show for today. Uh, we ran a little bit long, if uh, but this will always this will play as a podcast. So the podcast listeners don't know that we're off the air right now. But um, just one final thing I want to say is um, through all the stories I told of Gino, um, you know, he was the best kid I've ever. Uh, he's the best person I've ever been around. Always, always, always made me smile. Always made me laugh. You know, could make the worst moments of my life turn out to be the best. Uh, could take the bad situation and make it great. Um, and, you know, as I sit here, I'm not one of those people who tries to get sad in the moment and um I always try to find like the good in the situation and you know for the 20 25 26 years that I knew Gene Nazaro he made my life so much better I wouldn't be here right now doing this show doing all the things that I've done if it wasn't for that kid so um and I'll, I'll leave you with this, and it's not mine. Somebody at the wake said it, and I believe it fully, is that heaven heaven must have had a better game. They must have needed him for a game up there. They must have called him and said – they must have called out, who can we get to play in this softball game? Ah, we got to get Geno up here to play. They needed him for a game more than we did. So – um, but I am happy that um, at least he's not up there alone. Um, you know, he's up there with his sister Amanda, so uh, they'll be palling around up there. And uh, everything, it's like Victor just said, every Jets game, every time the Patriots play, I know Geno's going to be affecting their game and, and trying to beat trying to beat Tom Brady because he tried to do it all, every day. Down here, I don't see why he wouldn't do it up, up there. But, um, all right, that's our show for tonight. Next week, we will do play. Next week, we will do playoffs. Um, we'll do the Super Bowl. Obviously, pick the winner. Uh, and we'll do a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of prop bets and, uh, We'll see if we can get some people to call in and, and make actual bets with us on the air. But who knows? So that's that's what we're going to do. And um, I hope everybody has a good week and uh, gets ready for the Super Bowl talk next week. All right, have a good one, guys. <laughs>